Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's been my experience, sadly again, that professing Christians can and have done more harm than good, particularly in the environment of the workplace, where the Christian, the professing Christian is the laziest of all the employees, the most unreliable, and dare I say, even the most dishonest. I think of the Christian employer who is not above reproach. What message does that send to the non-Christian employee? You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. Are we as Christians doing more harm than good in the workplace? In today's message from Pastor J.D., he encourages us to make sure we're not separating sacred from secular. We need to carry out what we profess in every area of our lives. As Christian employees or employers, we should be sending out the message of Christ through our representation. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, with part 2 of his message, Christians in the Workplace. It's really interesting because after I sold my business and started my first church and entered the ministry as a pastor, I noticed this change take place in how people saw me. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the clergy. I'm the man of the cloth. Well, my shirt's 100% cotton, but that's about as far as it goes. And all of a sudden now there was this built-in chasm between the laity and the clergy. And I hated it. Because now all of a sudden I, I had lost that ability to reach people that I could have otherwise reached were I not a pastor. Do you see where I'm going with this? You can reach people that I cannot in that workplace, that co-worker, that boss, <laughs> that employer. We'll get to this in just a moment if you'll be patient with me. But you might think that your boss is the Antichrist. He's not. She's not. <laughs> How do you know that God didn't put you in that company for that boss, for that employer, for that co-worker? Oh, my goodness, I could share so many experiences, and I'm sure you have many experiences that you could share where I've witnessed this firsthand, not just in my life, but in the life of others as well. Isn't it interesting that when somebody gets that diagnosis from the doctor, that they come to the Christian and ask the Christian to pray for them? You know, I've heard it said this way, that non-Christian co-worker, that non-Christian employer, that non-Christian employee, they're looking at your Christian life. They're, like the Apostle Paul says, reading your life like a letter. They're reading your Christian life. They're asking themselves two questions. Is it real and does it work? I've shared about how that many years ago when I was at the time working for Mercedes-Benz and there was this guy that I just was convinced he woke up every morning and the first thought that came to his mind is how he can torment me and steal my commissions from me (laughs) 
and make my life miserable. This guy was, I mean, to say he was a thorn in my flesh would be a gross understatement. This guy had it out for me. So I just prayed. I said, I won't tell you exactly how I prayed, but (laughs) why are you laughing? You prayed that way too, it sounds like. (laughs) But I just prayed, God, please, I mean, let him find a job somewhere else, (laughs) right? Let me find a job somewhere else, but... Uh, this is horrible, and I would just dread <laughs> going into work every day. And this guy was just in my face and just such a sort of persecuting me, I guess you might say. And I, I saw it for what it was. And then God answered my prayer in ways that I had no idea he would. So this guy ends up getting a job somewhere else and actually leaves Spokane and goes to the coast and into the Seattle area. And I'm like, oh. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, there's power in prayer. Praise the Lord. So a couple, three years go by, and I'm in uh, town, and I'm kind of late, and I'm trying to get someplace, and there's this car in front of me, and it's like stopping traffic, and it's cutting off people, and it was in my way, and I'm like, what in the world? What's up with this, you know? In Hawaii, we call them tourists. But anyway, so, (laughs) sorry, that was, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) You feel my pain, right? (laughs) I try to have compassion. Lord, give me grace. But so I, I pull around him and try to get in front of him. And then I look in my rearview mirror only to find that he's following me and flashing his lights at me and signaling me to pull over. I'm like, Lord, what is up with this? So I'm thinking maybe my gas flap is open. I got, you know, my coats hanging out from the door or something's going on. I don't know. So I pull over. And who should walk out of this car but this guy? And, you know, just being the godly man that I am, I I rolled down my window that much. You know, and it was one of these, what do you, what do you want? <laughs> Leave me alone. You're still, you're following me all these years later. Leave me alone. Until I saw the tears streaming down his face as he says that he was just about to get on the on-ramp to go back to Seattle. And he prayed one last time that he would find me before he went back to Seattle so he could share with me that he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. (laughs) I mean, seriously, right? Yeah, we could clap. All the glory goes to God because I sure can't take credit for it. I'm thinking I totally blew it with this guy. So anyway, when he was back in town one day later, he and his wife and my wife and I went out to dinner. Get this, he proceeded to tell me that he was testing me and that he would actually think about, you know, in the morning, how he could get to me. I, I knew it! I knew it! Oh. <laughs> but he was testing me to see if I was the real deal or not. And apparently I was, <laughs> I guess I passed the test. He said, I, I couldn't break you. I really? <laughs> you, you totally broke me. I, I totally thought my sanctification fled from me. He said, no, I watched you. 
And every time you had a miscarriage, we had three miscarriages close in proximity one to the other. And he watched me from the sidelines. He wanted to know if my faith was real and if my faith worked. And he wanted my faith to be real and he wanted my faith to work. They're looking for that because they need that in their life. They want you to be the real deal because if you're the real deal and it's working for you, then that means it'll work for them too. And don't they need something that works? That was just the introduction. So we're... (laughs) This is, this is where our text comes into play. Paul is providing us with the characteristics of the Christian employee and the Christian employer. And I want to preface this before we, again, go any further by saying that I don't want to teach this as, this is the way we need to be as Christians. No, please don't go away with that impression. It's not, this is the way we need to be. This is the way we will be when we're filled by the Holy Spirit. I always ask the Lord to check my heart on this. I never want to stand up here behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do, and ever say, you know, to you, you need to, we need to, you better. No, it's more like this. This is the beautiful painting of the picture of a spirit-filled Christian on the canvas of the Christian's workplace. This is what that picture will look like. This is what it will be like. This is what that Christian employee and employer will act like. That's how I want us to understand. These are characteristics of the spirit-filled employee and the spirit-filled employer. A spirit-filled employee will obey their employer. A spirit-filled employee will respect their employer. A spirit-filled employee will be sincere with their employer. That's honesty and integrity, a work ethic. It's not working only when they're watching you. It's been said that The best Christian is the one that's a Christian when nobody's looking. Who are you when nobody's looking? There is one that's looking. You know who that is. That's the Lord. Yeah, but they need to see how hard I'm working. No, no, no. The Lord sees. Yeah, but I want them to see. No, 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 no. The Lord sees. Hey, who are you working for anyway? Are you working for them? Are you trying to please them? Or are you working to please the Lord? At the end of the day, when you drive home super tired, it's a good tired, but you're super tired. Who is it that you've pleased in the end? Are you a man pleaser or are you a God pleaser? We talked about this on Thursday night, that the fear of man is a trap. You can be entrapped, enslaved. You want to talk about being a slave, live in the fear of man. Be a man pleaser. (laughs) It's just a matter of time before you'll find yourself enslaved. A spirit-filled employee will work with all of their heart, all of their might. And the way that they'll do that is because it's as unto the Lord who sees it. There's one characteristic of the spirit-filled employer, and that is that the spirit-filled employer will not threaten their employee. 
I think that's a word for those of us that have people that are employed by us as employers. This is what the spirit-filled Christian will be like, but I think it's more important to understand why. The why behind the what, as it were. When we're like this, when we're a good witness for the Lord and work wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, there's a reward from the Lord. Just the fact that we're being a good witness for Jesus Christ in the workplace, that in and of itself should be enough of a reason as to why. And this goes for both the Christian employee and the Christian employer. Why? Because both have the same master in heaven. I find it interesting that Paul mentions God makes no distinction, nor does he show favoritism or partiality with the employee and the employer. Both employee and employer are accountable to God. They will answer to the Lord. Now, the employer may be in a position of authority over the employee, but it doesn't make the employer better than the employee. Nor does it make the employer less accountable than the employee, because we have the same master in heaven. Here's the bottom line. The Christian employee will be the hardest worker, the most reliable worker, regardless of the environment that they're in, regardless of the situation in that workplace. And so too will the Christian employer be the best employer in how they treat their employees, regardless of whether they're Christians or not. In other words, the Christian employer has a non-Christian employee. How much more? And vice versa. The Christian employee that works for the non-Christian employer, which I would venture to say represents a larger percentage in terms of describing the workplace environment. It's usually the Christian that's the employee and he's got the non-Christian employer. Do you think that they're not watching you, Christian? Maybe that's why they hired you, Christian. Again, they want to know, okay, I'll hire this Christian and I'll give him Sundays off because <laughs> he asked so he can go to church. I want to watch this guy. I would submit that that employer is watching you closer than they probably are the other non-Christian employees because he or she expects you to be different than the non-Christian employees. Are you? Are you? This is how and this is when the non-Christian is one to Christ in the workplace. Would you agree? It's when that Christian employee is the most reliable and hardest working employee that that non-Christian employer has. Don't you think that that's going to win them to Christ? And vice versa. The Christian employer hires the non-Christian employee. And that Christian employer treats his employees, her employees fairly, honestly. 
I mean, you don't think that's going to have an impact on that non-Christian employee? You know, it's sad, actually, that this goes both ways. And by that, I mean, instead of winning people to Christ, we can actually, in the workplace, turn people off to Christ. Because instead of that Christian employee, that Christian employer being a good witness for Jesus Christ, they're a bad witness for Jesus Christ. And it's been my experience, sadly again, that professing Christians can and have done more harm than good, particularly in the environment of the workplace, where the Christian, the professing Christian is the laziest of all the employees, the most unreliable, and dare I say, even the most dishonest. I think of the Christian employer who is not above reproach. What message does that send to the non-Christian employee, even the Christian employee for that matter? Proverbs 10, verse 26, and the Proverbs are replete with this. But 10, 26 says, as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Proverbs 25, 19 says, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. It's pretty uh, graphic imagery, isn't it? And by the way, let me hasten to say that it's also been my experience that this isn't only within the corporate environment, but sometimes it can be present in the church environment as well. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews writes in chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. He says this, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I want to close with what I believe to be one of the best examples of serving faithfully and honorably, regardless of the environment and even being rewarded for it. That example is Joseph, a slave in Egypt. And this man could have used every excuse in the book if he wanted. And he certainly could have been justified by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, his brothers leave him for dead, then sell him into slavery. He's betrayed falsely accused of attempted rape of his boss's wife. How about that one? And then he's left in this dungeon, betrayed, forgotten. It's some 17 years from the time that God gave him this dream, this vision, to the time that it would be fulfilled and realized. And during that time, he could have been bitter, complained about his lot in life, his position in life, but what did he do instead? Well, it's been said, he, and you've heard this said, bloom where you're planted. That's what he did. As unto the Lord, he worked hard with all of his heart, and it caught the attention of Potiphar, and then eventually Pharaoh. 
And God enabled him and empowered him to prosper so much so that he was promoted to the most powerful position in Egypt next to Pharaoh. Good example. I want to say one last thing in closing, and this will be the last, last thing <laughs> that I share. Over the years, I, I want to refer to experiences more so on the mainland, but I would have people approach me and say, hey, I really want to get into the ministry. And I'll talk with them and I'll pray with them and I'll listen to them. And one of the things that comes out when I do is that they usually say, well, you know, I got fired from my job and I think God's calling me into the ministry. Oh, really? Listen, I'm not a a prophet. (laughs) I'm kind of (laughs) non-profit. Sorry, I just want to make sure you're still with me. (laughs) But I can pretty much assure you that you being terminated from your prior place of employment is not the way that God would show you that you need to get into the ministry. Why did you get fired? Why did you get terminated? What, you think going into the ministry is going to be a cakewalk and easier? Yeah, because it's the people of God. I'll be working with Christians. Whenever I hire somebody, I have to give them the talk. And I have to share with them. And again, I'm referring mainly to the experience on the mainland. But I have to sit them down and say, listen, if you come into this employment position in the church with these rose-colored glasses, you know, praise the Lord, you are in for a very, very, very rude awakening. You have no idea. And there's a a spiritual component to that. I don't want to get into that in the interest of time. But suffice it to say that if you imagine that the ministry is going to be an easier thing for you than this quote-unquote secular employment that you're in, you are sadly mistaken. And again, I would say that that is evidence that you are separating the sacred from the secular. And you are underestimating what God wants to do in that quote-unquote secular position that he has placed you in. You're there for a reason. And God can use you mightily in that position. And if you're found faithful to whom much has been given, much is required. If you're faithful in the little, then maybe God will entrust you with the much. I hope you don't look at me as the pastor of this church again, as is my privilege to be and think, oh yeah, easy for you to say. You have no idea. (laughs) You have no idea. When you enter into the ministry, you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare like you can't even believe. And it is extremely intense. And it's nothing like what you have experienced in the secular, again, quote unquote, world. I hope that helps. After we accept Jesus into our lives, we start a journey of faith with Him. We don't always grow in our faith, though. Pastor J.D.'s messages in the book of Ephesians encourage us to continually seek to grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with our Savior. We can't get comfortable and complacent in our walks. By spending time with other believers, diving into the Word, and spending time in communication with Jesus— We'll continue to grow closer to Him. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D. Farag's teaching today. We'd like to tell you how you can access additional messages. 
Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. Take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. This app is free and provides you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and even the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. looks into the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Join us on Facebook as well and keep up to date on everything that's happening at In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Ephesians next time on In Spirit and Truth. 